Hello, hello, and welcome to this, the latest episode of the Ian Prendercast, another Carlton podcast brought to you for the last time by MGA and 121 <laughs> Media. I'm Sean Peter Budge, and I'm joined as always by the doctor, Tim Davis. Hello. Sean, how are you, sir? Look, I'm well, Tim. I'm, I'm happy to be with you more than anything at this time. Uh, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm riding high from um, the Beverly Hills Junior Footy Club winning three in a row, Sean. Oh, my God. How bad are your opposition? No, no, opposition is good. They beat us on Anzac Day and we gave up a five-goal lead and they got back into the game that time, which uh, stuck in my craw. So I the do vaguely remember you The talking. opportunity to come back and uh, play this game today, it was, uh, it was one that we had to uh, seize. And we did. So, happy days. Well, it's all Tim, about the W. That's excellent news. I don't want to skip over that too quickly. You're up and about about it. You should be. Um, now, I don't want you to mention any of these three things at any stage on the podcast for the rest of the episode. So, I'm giving you 60 seconds to turn this into the Strawberries and Cream podcast and talk about Ash Barty, the, the Rail In show. You can talk about Jamie Carr, or you, know, you can give your cats a wrap up in From Dawn to Dark. You've got 60 seconds. And that's it. You were not doubling back on it. You're not allowed to mention any of those three things again. Wrap can't up. Talk Ash. about the tour. You can talk about. Well, I don't even know what you want to call that. The cobbles. I don't know. <laughs> no, no. It was a very enjoyable weekend for for sport in general, Sean. I was. Um, it was. Um, I, I actually didn't realise the gravity of the Jamie Carr um, achievement. I, mm. I just thought it was the first time a woman had ridden 100 winners, and then when it dawned upon me that nobody had ridden 100 Victorian Metro winners ever, um, then all of a sudden the fact that she is a woman actually didn't even weigh in on the uh, on the, the gravity of the, the effort. Just fantastic effort to be so winning because, you know, every jockey you know tries to get good rides here, there and everywhere, and she's just the best at it at the moment. So all power to her. And uh, Nash Barty... Always been a fan. Thought she worked her ass off last night and a thoroughly deserved win. And I just think there's a lot to like about Ash and young women all around Australia and the world. Use her as a um, as a fantastic uh, example. And so they bloody should. She's a jet. All right. Now that that's behind us. Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, Timbo, 1 being not at all put out, 10 being apoplectic with rage... <laughs> Describe to me where you were between 6.30 and 7.30 tonight before we introduced the big boob. Uh, somewhere between about 7 and 8, bordering on a 9 at times. <laughs> so just for some – before we throw to we, – we've jokingly called you Benedict Arnold at times, Timbo. Oh, I know. Um, so before we throw to Fabian, I'll give Fabian an, an opportunity to defend himself. Hello, Fabian, you fucking idiot. Fuck off, John. <laughs> I hope you choke on whatever beverage you're sipping on. So why couldn't we do the show tomorrow, Fab? We could have done the show tomorrow, but you guys wanted to do it tonight, so we're doing it tonight. Oh, oh typical. Filling this chat with lies. <laughs> it was like a Paddy Dow sidestep at its best. Absolutely typical. <laughs> Look, it's a good get it's for the I, Blue I Abroad. Would, wouldn't miss a target it's, inside 50. It's a, good, it's a good get for the Blue Abroad to, to get the big Faber Ganoush, because fucking we couldn't get him tonight, and we had to wrangle, pull all sorts of strings <laughs> to get him to appear on this show. I'm just worried a bit, Timbo. Well, Clubber Ganoush. We're just having a chat about the air inside Clubber Ganoush must I've be helium I've because it's gone to his head and I've he's lifting slowly. I've explained to Terry we've had some recording. 
issues about when and what and how. No, we've had one tonight because you betrayed us. Hold on. No, I'm not betraying anybody, mate. And we're having a... What's a lot to tell you, And I'll, 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 I'll go on the show with the aesthetic beast at a more convenient time. For him or for us? I don't give a shit about you, Sean. Uh, clearly, clearly, when the message came through, listeners, that we hadn't organised a time to do our record and Fab was telling us he can't do tomorrow night because he's doing another show. That's not what I said at all. Tim? Uh, that's the way I read it. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Timbo? Yes, sir. You are picking sides that you are <laughs> may, no, not, no. may not want to be part of the whole time. Fabian, as you know, with a young family, it can be busy, it can be difficult to be able to juggle everything. But having a look you in are as to possibly sixteen poss- years down the down the drain, <laughs> that should alert possibly you. Possibly when things could happen, just could not has to, just options, just to be able to get the juggle right would be yeah, appreciated. I gave you I gave you a time. No, Sean said no. no you, you didn't, didn't say anything. No. So, well, after Sean says he wasn't available, I figure we're not recording. Well, so that's my fault. The Sean said he's not available. No, well, here's well the thing. when three have to fall into line and one hasn't, it's clearly not happening. Here's we could do a two-hander, but we don't have any recording gear as well. This Sean does the, the one-hander the best. This is what I love about Fab. So Fab's gone. Uh, I said, look, I, to be honest with you, because I had a day at the footy and doing all this stuff at the footy today, I said, look, I've got to get back and I've got to write the run sheet for the show and all that because Fab doesn't do anything. He just turns up for the record. But I got, I got to actually put the show together. It takes I can't I don't know if I can be bothered because I got to do some the Box Hill stuff. Look, can we do it tomorrow? And it was then and only then that Fabian told us he can't do tomorrow. We never record on a Monday, um, so I thought I would be available to the great man. And I thought we always used to record <laughs> on a Monday. We used to record on a Thursday, Tim. But then Sean Box Hill got in the way or something. Is that Ribena, Sean? Tim, Tim. I feel, yeah, akin, sure. I feel a kinship with you just at the moment because it is very <laughs> rare that you and I are in lockstep. Except I don't have to, my cranberry juice. But I just... <laughs> this, idea, this idea that we weren't recording on a Monday when we hadn't yet locked in a record on a Sunday, bearing in mind. Yeah. Well, Box Hill got in the way, did it? Box Hill never do anything on a Monday, champ. I oh, know. It's tonight because usually you have a bitch and moan if we don't record within 24 hours of the game. Well, the listeners, I think, appreciate a prompt record. And then that's why we do it. And that's why I'm here, for the listeners, because I'm a man of the people. Yeah, well. So, so you keep telling us. Yeah, <laughs> allegedly. Um, anyway, we're going to get into the show now. I've had my fun riling up the big idiot, so we can continue <laughs> now. I've, I've moved heaven and earth to be here. Me we appreciate Matt it, Kennedy. Fabian. We really appreciate it. Me okay. and Matt Kennedy took the train from, uh, from where is it, Jembrook to... Uh, Tim Brooke to Belgrave. Is Puffy Store. Billy one of the worst tourist attractions in the world? And the kids had fun, mate. The kids had. When, why, we, why did they we, have fun we, just going on a normal train? Where's the fun in a normal train? Where's the more fun in going to a crappy mountain like rickety railroad? You've got no idea, Sean. I've you see the world it. only through your eyes. I've been to it several times. I, I could think of nothing worse than driving to. Uh, to Emerald, wherever I went, Belgrave, and jumping on a train and freezing my nuts off. But the kids enjoyed it, and that that brings me enjoyment. So what else they enjoy? Ice they cream. enjoy going on a train, the train ride. It's just, I don't get it. Then playing in the park with the other kids and doing whatever else they did. All right, we've had enough of you. Um, 
I'm going to go on to the show itself now. I'm going to start the episode with, uh, as we sort of have done a bit recently, I don't know, it's become somewhat of a custom, so let's continue it. The MGA traffic. Big question. That's obviously getting a rebrand during the week. Um, yeah, Australia Post going to fork out some cash, are they? Uh, 121 will do it. Um, we need to get coaching back on the agenda, gentlemen, uh, in yep. the aftermath of yesterday's performance. Now, we need to be clear. Just like in, in previous weeks and in previous losses, for the, for the most part, it's not the losing to Geelong who are a top four team. That's, that's not the issue in and of itself. It's not the losing to Geelong. It's the manner in which we lose. Yeah. It's attacking from the worst parts of the ground to the worst parts of the 50. It's always expecting a star to bail you out, to, for Harry to take a crazy pack mark, or for Sam Walsh to kick a miraculous goal. It's all of these little things. Our performances are not aberrations, they're trends, Fabian. Correct. It's, it's, in Ge- Geelong, it was such a perfect example of, the, of, of a team with structure and a game plan and a team without structure and a game plan. Now, I don't mean to be overly disrespectful, but Geelong, to me, aren't a contender. Right now, a lot of people will laugh at that and scoff, given their ladder position and what they've done in recent seasons. I think when the whips are cracking, there are better teams in the competition than Geelong. However, they stick to and execute a game plan that makes them a better football side than we are. We, and I said this to Timbo last night, we struggle to do the basic things right. There's no structure to what we do and it seems to be the same thing week in week out and teams like Geelong who are so structured make that more and more evident we both played with a man behind the ball last night yet somehow when Geelong had it they worked their tails off to always have an option to make it look like ahead of the ball they were in even numbers. And they weren't. We always had a man down back. I'll give you the example, Timbo, as we throw to you. So talk of, of our form having been on an uptick since the review was announced, you know, but realistically, I'd expect to beat both Adelaide and Fremantle in Melbourne. Yes. That, that's a fairly yep. realistic expectation to beat those two teams here. We so, hadn't been overly convincing, no, no, but no, as no, you exactly said, right. if, if we wanted to hold our head up with any respect whatsoever we should at least be competing enough to give ourselves a chance to win it, if not win it. But the fact that we came out with two wins, you go, good. No, I agree completely. So, look, I've been sort of big on this for a while, and I'm going to say it again. We we joked last week that it was 15 minutes away from being a greatest hits compilation, but David Teague isn't up to it at senior level. Like, it's abundantly clear. So, Timbo, yesterday, knowing that the outs... You know, late in the piece were Liam Jones and Levi Casbolt, knowing that we already had, you know, Pitt Nets injured, etc. You know, Charlie's obviously not available, McGovern's not available, etc. Why are we playing a tall style of football? Exactly right. You go sitting there going, no, no, don't play this way, David. Don't kick down the line. You go, don't do that. D- David, what are you doing? Why are you playing as if we have the bailout marking option on the field? Correct. Can I, play, can I play the devil's advocate and what you can. Might, might be saying is, well, he doesn't have the assistant coaches around him to enable them, them to mate, tweak that game mate. plan. He shouldn't need them to be able to recognise I, I totally agree. He should be the one challenging them 
to say, guys, we need to adjust what we are doing given our circumstance and put the onus on them. And if we as a supporter base see those changes, like you can see him trying to do something to negate the circumstance that we were in and it doesn't work, you know what we say? They tried something. They tried something because they had to because of A, B, C, D, and E. But when we don't do anything different and we just go in with game plan A and see it unfold the way it did, it's infuriating. I don't think he has the ability to challenge his fellow coaches in the coaching You know what he doesn't have, Tim, um, Fabian? You know what he doesn't have, for me anyway, from the outside looking in? He doesn't have a sense of imagination. He doesn't have a sense of creativity to go, okay, so this is what we've got. This is the ready, steady, cook style, what's in the fridge? What can I make out of this? It's just, you look at it and go, some people open the fridge and go, ah, oh, shit, it's going to be the most basic thing on earth. I just need sustenance in my body. But some people go, I'm going to turn this into the most extraordinary, you won't believe what mm. I make out of that. And you go, wow, holy crap, look what they've done. <laughs> this, this chocolate omelette's yeah. going to be amazing. So that's what I mean. So, Timbo, my opinion with David Teague is we're just wasting time. If we don't make a move, if we don't make a change, we'll be having this conversation in another 10 months' time at the bye next year having wasted another preseason, another 10 games, and in need of another change. Yeah, I agree. We are wasting time if... I said Tim, Fabian. <laughs> oh, I'm going to finish. If, yeah. as, I'm, as we are all led to believe, if the review excludes David Teague. It can't. I don't think it can, and I don't think it is. I don't, I, honestly, I don't think it is. I think it is. it has to be a whole-of-club or whole of football department review, and you can't miss the biggest element of that football department in your review. I think he is being reviewed just as much as anyone else in that football department, and I think if there's change to be had, I think it has to start with him. It has to start with him. I'll try to throw to you with another question, Timbo. Um, there was a lot of talk of us playing well yesterday. There was a lot of talk of people taking a glass-half-full approach. We're playing well. We're short-handed. We're doing the best we can with what we've got. We were ultra-defensive yesterday. We were super-conservative. This idea of us playing well, Timbo, if you were coaching Beverly Hills to damage limitation, you just put 16 bodies behind the ball all the time. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's what we did. So this idea that we played well or somehow played in the right spirit and we were closer than you think, we were a mile off yesterday. And and the fact that, you know, everyone talked about, yeah, Carlton, you know, they, it was just inaccuracy. And if they weren't one goal 13, you know, it could have been a game, but there weren't many situations where you've gone, gee, that point really, really should have been a goal. When you've got set shots from Tommy DeConning on 50 or 45 on an angle in the pocket that doesn't suit a left footer, when you've got Harry doing his left foot check sides from the same pocket, you know, where you're either going to nail it or you're probably going to, you're usually going to hit it skinny and it's going to do exactly what it did in that case. You had Matt Owies having a shot from 45, 50, and you're going, he's probably not going to make the distance. Um, I think there was, 
Kuno similarly had a shot from about 45. Yeah, and you go, and this isn't his one wood. Yeah, you know that he sometimes swings around on the right and he just gives it a bang and sometimes it just happens to go through and you're going, oh, okay, I didn't realise he had that in his golf bag. Um, but across the board, you sat there and you're going, yeah, look, I think Samo had a set shot and you kind of thought Samo should kick this. That, yeah. that one was maybe a 35er and wasn't, you know, a huge angle. I, I really, I, I was probably disappointed he didn't kick that one. But outside of that, there wasn't too many situations where you've gone, that one really should have been a goal. It was just, it would have been nice. So and as if, you say, Timbo, we always talk about structure and you, you talked about imagination, you know, the ability to be able to fashion an, an attack on turnover and get yourself to be dangerous and put genuine pressure on the opposition there really wasn't many situations where you're going, geez, we really got these guys by the balls here. We worked and we tried and the effort was there. But I think that's where people we were get incapable of executing. I think yeah, that's yeah, where, well, like effort. Yeah. yeah, like there's a handful of blokes that we'll, I'm pretty sure we'll touch on in the chicken shits that barring them, I think individual efforts, I think the effort was there, The you know, and at times some execution was there. So... It wasn't as if we played horrible. Like, if you recall a couple of games last year on the Gold Coast where disposal was horrific, it was almost unwatchable. It wasn't that. But just because individually we're cracking in doesn't mean we are collectively playing good football. We are not. Or no, that we're collectively playing a brand of football that will have us competing and winning the day. Further to your um, comments about kicking at goal, Timbo. They were either lower percentage set shots from you know that forty plus range, in which yep. the percentage of conversion drops dramatically, or they were like hack um, snaps in a play on situation, in a live play situation, which are always Correct. low percentage. You're going. This is what when people look at the scoreboard and talk to inaccuracy, which we're going to talk about a bit later. We don't want to labour the point here. You've got to look at the quality of the looks, the quality like of the shots the, at golf. We've always talked about inside 50. Inside 50 is one of the dumbest stats you can possibly get because yeah. it, it, it there is no value judgment behind it because if I get the ball 65 out on the fly and I drop it to the top of the goal square and like that's your opportunity did. and a bloke marks it, that's an inside 50. Equally, if a bloke leads leads out and he takes the ball on the 49-yard line and then fumbles the ball out, out of bounds, also inside 50. And you sit yeah. there and you're going, you're not actually telling me anything here. Like it's, well, the one it's, you just it's mentioned, helpful, but it's not really. The example you just mentioned was really good. Ed Kerno would have got an inside 50 for a kick he put to the top of the goal square, which was just easily rushed through for a behind. Correct. It was the worst option he could have possibly <laughs> taken. Yep. And it ended up with nothing for us. It was shocking. That's the um, difference between feeling the game when you when you watch it to analyse it. You feel the game as opposed to looking at the stats and going, oh, yeah, oh, look at this. There's clear domination in you know this area or that area. Sometimes you just got to watch the game and feel the game yeah, as opposed to trying to read the stats. One of the biggest things I felt watching the game yesterday, Fab, was that, and, and, and we've spoken about this, man, David Teague's obviously in the gun. You know, Andrew Russell's in the gun. The low-hanging fruit of assistant coaches, they're in the gun clearly as part of this review. The man that is arguably very close to the top of that is Brad Lloyd. Brad Lloyd is the footy boss. He yep. is responsible, and we're going to talk about him with some greater context around selection and certain young players a bit later on. I've got a point to make about him. We've said it before. His job is to be the gatekeeper of the journey forward. 
how are we getting to where we want to get to? Who are going to get? It? Who's going to get us there? And he has to be the guy that gives Teague permission if he thinks he needs it, that puts his foot down if he thinks it needs to happen, that talks up in the meeting at match committee and plays devil's advocate. And I don't think he's doing any of that. I think he's one of the worst footy bosses in the competition, and I think it's the reason we are where we are. Look at when successful teams like, you know, Richmond and Geelong, Barmy got so much credit for what he did because he was the one to pull everything Together Now, tactically, he wasn't doing things and pulling the strings on, on game day in the coach's box. However, the football manager's role of making sure the football department as a whole is running is key. Now, if in any aspect we are breaking down, Brad Lloyd has to be the one to correct it or identify where or it is. Identify it. So, you know, and here are our issues discuss and and I, I think Sean sort of hit the nail on the head without saying it in as, as few words if you are doing a review of the football department how is your football manager not doing his job like how how on earth can it not be the football manager who is presided over these football issues that isn't the guy that, that has failed to perform in that situation. Because if he's the best football manager going around, how the hell are we in the situation that we're asking questions about the football department? No, I agree. And this is... I'll, I'll go off half-cocked a little bit here. I've got a point to make later on in the episode about Lockie O'Brien, which has become a rather prominent hobby horse of mine in the last 24 hours. But Brad Lloyd, using this as an example, Lockie O'Brien out of contract... Top 10 pick. He's played two games in two years. Brad Lloyd has to be the guy at match committee who goes, we're not playing Will Setterfield on a wing. We're not playing Ed Kerno on the wing. We're not playing Jack Nunes on the wing. You can play A, B or C. They're Fisher, uh, like O'Brien, Honey. You're not playing those three. I'm giving you permission. If you feel duty-bound to play those guys because they're going to make us more competitive or blah, 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 I'm giving you permission to not have to do that. It's crazy. It's it's crazy to have seen the lack of quality and the lack of output from the players that have been playing on the wing in recent weeks. That you've got a guy that you and let's not let's not hide behind the he was picked ten bullshit just because a guy was a certain selection because of what you saw in him as a sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen year old player. Like yes, there should be a correlation between your draft draft position and the talent you've got. You've still got to be able to develop them. They need a little bit of luck. And sometimes you flat out, you just don't get it right. But what he brings is what we need. And so you're going, how, how can, like, I completely get that there may be a level of coaching and the coaching group are saying to Lockie, I want to see you do these six things in the game this weekend. And if those six things he's not hitting the brief on, I get that they're going to turn around and say, Lockie, you didn't do the six things, you don't get a game. Yeah, but how is Will Setterfield hitting those things? How's Cottrell well, doing it? No, no, that, I, that's what's infuriating people. Is how's Levi that, doing well, it? What's the lack of transparency? Exactly right. Because if you sit there and you're going, you're establishing a bar for Lockie, and you're going, Lockie, you are not achieving it, it, it beggars belief how other people are at exactly the same time. I'm going to go with it just between me and you. I'm going to jump ahead here. I'd made a note of this for later, but we may as well talk about it now. Do it. We're talking do it, about Sean. it. 
So just between me and you, obviously, in the last little bit, I've been, last day or so, I've been big on Lockie O'Brien. And what I want to say with regard to Lockie O'Brien is we all know how this story ends. He'll be delisted at season's end. People will feel vindicated by that. People will feel as though that decision justifies their own attitudes towards his performance and his development and his talent. Um, I don't want to hear, I've got no time for it, when people criticise a guy like Lockie O'Brien, don't come up with, with bullshit about he doesn't work hard enough. Crap. Absolute crap. Covers the ground really well. Works his ass off when he's out there. Don't fucking give me that shit. He's been playing in a horrendously set-up performing Northern fucking Blues, whatever they're called, Carlton Reserves team, that are playing yeah. with seven or eight AFL-listed players, of which he is one of the most senior of he's those the players. Oldest. Going, that team is a shambles at the moment. That team is a like is, a, is just diabolically set up. They lost to the Northern fucking Bull Ants, who hadn't won a game yet at that point in time. So don't point the finger at a guy who's 21 years old playing in a team like that, that you're not doing something right because they're not being coached right. They weren't set up right. The whole thing was a shambles from day one when they split with the Northern Bull Ants. They made a rod for their own backs. They handled it appallingly and they went back cap in hand to the Bull Ants to try to reset the alignment. So when you're talking and pointing the finger at a kid for the problems that have come from the administration and that's why that team performed so poorly, pull your fucking head in or learn a thing or two about why the club's so shit. And the second one is, don't give me any crap, oh, he's soft. Bullshit. If you're playing at AFL level, that's the worst, most piss-weak local footballer fucking excuse I've ever heard. And I'm sick to death of players or pe- sorry, people sitting in the crowd and calling out AFL players as being soft. You wouldn't get near the football. You'd shit your pants standing in the race. Don't yeah. give me any of that crap. It's absolute bullshit. Now, secondly, this is the same coaching panel. <laughs> this is the same coaching panel that refused to play Paddy Dow, Matt Kennedy, David Cunningham, Sam Petrevsky-Seaton, Stocker. This is the same fucking coaching panel that refused to give those guys a go. That's wrong, 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 wrong. So what are the chances that they're wrong again? Very high, sure. This is the same coaching panel that sat there for weeks and months and years refusing to give those players a go and when they finally fucking did give them a go those boys actually showed something and delivered and showed they were worth the investment of time and picks and development so when you sit there and all the people like us who sat there and saw it we've gone hoorah finally we've got something to get excited about there's some development there's you know there's the brendan bolton green shoots showing that's what us supporters want. If we're not going to win a flag, show us the steps of how we're going to start getting there. So and when, as you say, trotting out the Ed Kernos and the Jack Nunes and of late the uh, Will Setterfields, they're not taking us forward. It just it, it sticks in my craw too. And I love your passion, Sean, and people will sit there and say that you're being negative, but I think you're bang on. No, so in closing, sorry, was, just, just in closing. That was a rant. This that was inclu- a rant that was well justified. Just in and closing, this yeah. is the coaching panel, like I said, that have drawn a line through other players in the past that have since proven them wrong. They have proven themselves to be unreliable when it comes to coaching, developing, and nurturing young talent. So why are we suddenly caring or listening to what they have to say about any player on our list? Correct. I agree. Can I, can I pose this question as well? Please. It's been reported, and there's obviously some level of truth to it. Has said coaching panel been given the the pass mark of playing finals? Yes. Now, if that is the pass mark, does, the, does that not... And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be aspiring to play finals. Don't, we're a football club. We're aspiring to win premierships. But if that's the target you set, you said... And you said to them, 
you must make finals to keep your job, they start to make decisions accordingly. And that's where Brad Lloyd needs Correct. to step in say. and go, okay, course correction here. What is now more important to the Carlton Football Club? Well, why seeing... course correct? Why shouldn't why shouldn't the message be? It should be cut we off. We want before... to play finals, yeah. but we do not shift okay. the objective. We are in. We're a club that's rebuilding. There's no point fucking up four years of heartache and in in heartburn and going through all those years of playing kids and getting pumped. If the after four years you're still mediocre. But you lose your nerve when you start to get to the point where, yeah, if you kept playing those kids, now you start to reap the rewards. We've lost our nerve. Yeah. yeah we, we, we've lost the opportunity to have gotten 10, 12, 15 games into a lot of kids. We, we've wasted it. We've wasted it. And um, for where we are and what we need, like we've got six games to go. Look, I, I'm, I just wrote down our last six opponents and it's, 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 terribly frustrating that we're in the position we're in now because the run home is is was actually really um you never use the word comfortable but and even now it's sort of almost tantalizing to be able to sit there and going you can actually see us you know do actually quite well in these last six weeks but right now i want to see our last six weeks playing as many of the young kids as possible just to gauge where they're at because you know, limping into the finals and hoping to do something against a team that's finished fifth or something like that, I genuinely think sets us up to fail. But equally, if we played our last six games and got full of running and got a bit of confidence up, you'd hate to play a Carlton with nothing to lose. But I just can't see—I just can't see with any confidence that we're going to get there. So just play the kids, Agreed. play the kids, and actually play them in position, see where they are at, see what they can provide for you, and and work out what we've got moving forward. So go into the game. Yesterday, the uh, people segment. What did I want to see? It's taken the world by storm, and I've, I've well, it sets the tone for the discussion. Sure, I've, the I've, uh, I've whittled it down from four points because I couldn't be bothered coming up with four. I think it then it became three. Now it's one. Now, <laughs> you know what I wanted to see? I wanted to see us take a scalp. We've beaten teams we should have beaten the last couple of weeks. We've accounted for them in a haphazard, ham-fisted manner, but we've got the job done, Tim. Geelong were gettable yesterday. They totally. were gettable Absolutely they were. for a team and, and, that had the balls to risk losing the game to win yeah. it. And look, no doubt. And like, I'm a very, very rudimentary local junior football coach, but it would have been very, very easy to walk in and say, guys, this is a mob that hasn't beat us, beaten us at the MCG this century. This is a team that's got Cameron out. They've rested Selwood. Mitch Duncan isn't playing. They're not playing their best compliment. We know that we've got injuries. We know that we've got issues, but we've got nothing to lose. And they're hanging on to this top four and and having relevance in their season by an absolute thread. And they are exposed. And all you've got to do is go in there and take them on. And you're a red hot shot. Guarantees you nothing. But at least you could sit there and going, believe that you are in this contest up to your eyeballs and you're, you're a chance. And I, I just I felt like they didn't really believe it. Well, Fab, that's an excellent segue, Tim. It's a point very, very well made. We've spoken at length on this podcast at times uh, this year about David Teague lacking, once again, the imagination to imbue a, a mentality, to sell a message, to create a cause, to actually get the players G'd up for exactly what Tim just described. Going, these, these guys are fucking gettable, boys. 
I don't think he is that way inclined. I don't think he is the motivator that is required of a senior AFL coach. If you look at all successful AFL coaches, they have that element of of the, the leadership element where they instill the confidence in the playing group to go out and execute. They sad, also, sad. Yeah. Everything that you're saying I think is right. Then the question that needs to be asked, and I say this with my tongue firmly in my cheek but dead set seriously, what is David Teague's one would? If he's not the motivator, I what don't is know. He? I think he was a good assistant coach, Tim. I don't think I, I don't have a t- uh, an issue with David Teague as a line coach. No, no, but, but he was it, a point. He was, given, he was given the reins because he was next cab off the rank. Because that's what you do when you sack a coach. You just get one of the other bananas who are waiting in the wings. But what's he sold the board then? What's he sold Brad Lloyd? He what's, made. What's he the made message that simple, he's saying? He made simple, rudimentary adjustments to a game plan. The ben, Brendan Bolton had us playing where anybody could see, anyone who's anyone in football could see, you need to do A, B, and C, and we'll be we'll play 50% better football. Well, he was over-coaching them, wasn't he? He was overloading them. And we did them, it. And, and we got, he and we freed got, them up. We, we yeah. got it first. And, yes, we were all happy. We were all on the T train. But look at where we were coming from. So he was he was the turd sandwich under Brendan Bolton. Yeah, he was the pressure release valve that allowed the kids to actually start enjoying their footy. And when they played with passion and played to their strengths, they actually played. They enjoyed their footy and they had a crack. Now you actually had to build some structure and some system and some strategy and behind it. And I don't think it's happened. I don't think he has that ability to look the other line. I don't think the other line coaches are good enough. I don't think he has the ability to pose questions, get them to think outside their box, manage them, and then turn around, sell that message to the playing group and be the a head coach in AFL football isn't the bloke who sits there and tactically organises every single element. And things like, like it, people will say, oh, then why are you blaming him for the way we play in the midfield, our forward structure, everything else? The best, the, the thing I want to see from David Teague is challenge the p- coaching group to make a change. We have played a spare man behind the ball all game yesterday, and we allowed them to have Tom Stewart roaming free as well. Just say, guys, we're going with even numbers. Challenge them. Put it towards them. We're going with even numbers. If we lose it somewhere else, bad luck. Try this. When do we do that, Fab? We never do that. We never. We spoke on the. No, I think we spoke on the mid-season we? review pod. I think we spoke about the idea of giving the opposition coaches block something to think about, something to go. Yep. I've got to keep an eye on that. Or, geez, we didn't expect that. Or, wow, just yeah, boys, what's this happening here? What are they doing here? We didn't. This wasn't in the plan. We are. We are in a position where we can be flexible. We can be imaginative. We can try different things. We can throw the magnets around, and not in a dumb way, like. You know what? I was watching the game yesterday and I just thought when we need a bit of drive and we need a bit of just something else, a bit different, Jack Nunes is a soldier ant. Put him in defence. Put him small back. Put Willow on the wing. Yeah. Just try something yeah. a bit different. Just going to go, let's have a look at this, see how this goes. But it's also the reason why we're the only side in the entire competition, which includes North Melbourne and Adelaide, who haven't taken a scalp, so to speak. Now, I know North have only won one game. 
that they weren't expected to win that game. We haven't taken a scalp. We haven't won a game that we haven't been expected to win. Every other club in the competition have done it. It's because we've got no fucking imagination. We don't try anything different. Like you said, we don't pose any questions. So the opposition coaches box go, well, this is how we thought they'd structure up. We've planned for it. We don't have to make any changes. I think that you can hide behind process, can't you? And I think that's what Tiggy does a fair bit. He hides behind process. He hides behind that buys you time. You don't actually have to deliver because you're always working towards something. You're always trying to figure something out. You don't actually have to deliver in the here and the now. And I think that's something that Bolts did for a little bit. Obviously, Teague's doing now. And it's all just about, for whatever reason, is staying alive for tomorrow. What shits me to tears? I agree 100% with you. And they keep pushing the messaging. And the messaging is always consistent. It's always the same buzzwords. Now, Bolts use green shoots and reset and whatever you have. And David Teague's now keeps using the same shit every single week. Mate. In, oh, I'm starting to get fed up. I, I, if I see his face in a press conference, I start to get dirty. <laughs> I don't listen anymore. Honestly. Um, we're going to go now on to the uh, chicken salads, the positives from the performance such as they were. There's only one place to start, gentlemen. We're going to give this man the credit he deserves this week because, in fairness, we've been a bit blasé about how good he's been over the last four to six weeks. We've taken it for granted on the pod and we haven't given him the plaudits and the platitudes that he deserves. Uh, Tim, you had an excellent tweet I saw yesterday where you said something to the effect of through his three seasons on an AFL list, his current trajectory suggests he might be the best player you've ever seen. I, I said it to Tyron in, in his bedroom last night and I just said to him, I said, I think Was I'm... Was he awake? I think, I think he... I think when he is done, I will say he is the best footballer I've ever seen. I just... Everything that I see just screams... He is limitless. He's he's like we've seen him take hangers. We've seen him take courageous marks. We've seen him kick goals on the run. He kicks set shots. He gut runs. He's been tagged in his third year, and he's been able to still impact late in games. Um, he he sets the tone. He's kicking goals. Yeah, and we look to him like he's just and and it's it's all. It's being a Carlton supporter is one of those things where we don't tend to get a lot of support from the media and you only hear the negative stories, you don't hear the positives. We've been through a three-year tirade where we've essentially tried to tell Kane Corns that he's wrong, that his, his assessment and of, of Sam Walsh is wrong and who he wanted to compare him to was wrong. Um, and I was, fast, I, was, I was wrapped this afternoon, they were talking about Took, Took Miller, and the comment was, is he playing well enough to make the All-Australian team? And um, Liam Pickering said, uh, look, he, he'd be close, but he said it's very hard to be a walk-up start in the midfield of the All-Australian team. And he said, and you've got to look at Bontempelli and you've got to look at Petrarca and Oliver. And he said, Sam Walsh has to be in there. And it's sort of like, thank, thank God. Christ. Finally, somebody who has absolutely no skin in the game is turning around saying, this kid's one of the best there He'll right now. Stiff, Timber. He'll get stiffed. You watch. Look, I expect him God to. God forbid, I, if it's you get, the if way he things off work. for one week in this yep. six-week run-in, they'll use it against him. Oh, yeah, inconsistent. Young kids on his third year. We expected it at some stage. Young, Body young, of young, work, all that yeah. sort of shit that, that they game go. game against yeah, the GWS, Matty DeBoer. They'll put him in the 40. He's in the 40, yeah. Nah, that, what an achievement. Oh, fuck off. If yeah. he's not, 
in the 22, then the whole the whole thing is just... But it is. We already know that it is. I mean, Jacob Wittering didn't make the All-Australian team, you know, last year. And, and, and we know why, because, you know, he doesn't sell papers the way that Darcy Moore, that Kieran Knightley look-a-lot does. Um, <laughs> and, and, and at the end of the day, you, you give me a side that you want to, you know, go out and win the, win the game for you because your life's on the line. Well, thanks, Darcy Moore. You can just sit this one out. I'll take Jacob. Thank you very much. Um, but, um, yeah, so, look, they'll rewrite history. Jacob Wiedering will get his, you know, blazer this year. And as you say, Sam Walsh will probably get, um, you know, politically ostracised. Did you have any thoughts on the man, Fabian? I just, look, I expect him... And this is, and I, I just, I, I expected him to eventually show signs of some sort of fatigue, whether it be mental fatigue, because he is kind of carrying his side, or physical fatigue. And whenever I think he looks like he might slow down, he takes the piss out of me and goes to another gear. His final term yesterday was incredible. It's like, it's like he said to himself, Adelaide kicked 20 points. We're not doing this shit. We're not going down like this. And, and and physically willed himself to everything. And what summed it up is when he his first goal, the running goal, which is spectacular, not one prick led to him. No one moved, created space, created an option. He had to go all the bloody way and kick that goal because no one gave him anything. It was Pedro Serrano style. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you, I'll Joe do Boo. it myself. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't leave that rum around. <laughs> he is. He is. I love Cripper. Don't get me wrong. I love. He is our best player. At he is. You idiots laughed at me when I said this a year ago. I yeah, didn't want to believe it, Sean. That a 20, 20 year old. A twenty year old. It was a nineteen year old when Sean said it was a very premature stipulation. That's all. That's all I know. I did post. There was a question mark on the end. I did say, "Is he our best player?" Yeah. Yep. And, I've, and, I've and the reality said, was he's on his way towards it, but he, I didn't think that he was there yet. And yet I think I think we probably just didn't do him enough justice because I think I think he's been it for a while and he might have been it at the end of last year. He's certainly it now. That was the legendary Canadian club game, of course. Um, certainly was. Pod favourite. We'll, we'll stick with you here, Fab. Obviously the next cab off the rank in our chicken salads is, of course, the great man Raul, the wall. Um, he was absolutely magnificent on Tom Hawkins, kept Hawkins goalless. Um, again, for, I think for the second time in a row, Timbo. Played on him last uh, year and kept yeah, him goalless. Yep. Um, Weirding, Jacob Weirding was unbelievable yesterday, Fab. He was. It was. It's, it's just another performance in a long list of performances where you sit back and go, wow. Like, he's got. He is our next captain. We've just gone on, we've spoken for five minutes about Sam Walsh and how good he is. This bloke is our next captain. I like the leadership group. I like the five man, no captain. The Knights of the Round. I, I don't mind, I don't mind, but this, he just, he has it. And it's, it's not just, obviously, intercept marking, judging. His strength now is ridiculously strong. Yeah. He's below his knees, he's ridiculous. He's disposed everything. He is becoming an all-round megastar, Jacob Wiedering, and he is getting applauded from the media, which is good to see as well. But in the last month, I've seen that that edge, that that almost frustration. He's becoming the wolf. Becoming becoming the wolf. Yeah. 
I like it. He's got a bit of anger and, in him. Yeah. I think he's got to that point now where I'm no longer the young pup here. So regardless of age, fuck all you. I'm the man. He's saying fuck you, Joe Boo, as well. Yeah. He and Walsh. Yep. 100%. It's, um, he's just, this, we've run out of, we need a soundbite for him as well. I know I've, we I've, have, no, I've, I've got one. I've got one in the back of my mind. I don't have it on the board yet, but I'll add it. Is it the, uh, it's not the Pink Floyd, is it? No. Okay. It'll be some racially insensitive Indian music. Before. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Just before, I just want to rewind back to Sam Walsh for one second. I usually don't do negative shout-outs, but shout-out to Max Rokotansky. What hey, hey, fucking he, moron. He's a Bulldog supporter. He's, he's a fucking, I don't care. He's a fucking moron. He's I wanted idiot. to put on, Mum, I'm not even apologising for using profanity. Max, shout-out to you. You're a fucking idiot. Oh, Thank look, I think he's a wide hey, Don't worry, he's, he's not a listener. He's not a listener. I don't he's care, Timbo. No, I he clogged yeah. my bloody Twitter feed I think he's a wind, he's no a wind up I wasn't nursing. even in the conversation. Yeah, but all he wanted, he on a Saturday night where he had no life and nothing to look forward to, he thought, I'm going to try and get a rise out of Bruce Carlton supporters. And after a little while, I thought, you know what? I'm not giving you the satisfaction, Max. You're a stain he's on a, life. He's a wide-up merchant in much the same way these two young local footy heroes who are, you know, talking to me about Lockie O'Brien today are the same thing, where, you know, just complete fucking tools. Um, yep. Timbo, we've got, yes. we've got uh, Sam Walsh is the man. We've got Jacob Wiedering. He's got a few. He's got Lake Wiedering, Raul, The Wall. We've got Ed Kerno in the Bad Touch in the Bloodhound Gang. Um, <laughs> yes. And... I'm going to start calling Lockie Plowman. He's the trash man because he just gets the job no one wants. Yeah. He gets every week he gets the job no one wants and he just does it. People can crap on this guy all they want. He played a, he played on Radagalia, who's a foot taller than him. Yesterday. I loved, and Timbo hit the nail on the head. Someone said, um, I think someone Why did, is he playing five metres behind? And you said, like, because he's given... He's you know, 10 centimetres and 15 kilos. 15 kilos on the bloke. What do you want it to be? Shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. No, he and, was... and then, look, it turns out, and it's one of those it's one of those stats, like when you look at Wikipedia and you do that with, you know, with trepidation at times, but, like, it says that Radagalia is 197 centimetres and it says Plough's 193. And, A, I can't have the Plough as 193 and I also can't believe that Radagalia would only be 197, but... He he's a leaper, Radagalia. He plays taller than he is, and he's he's a, he built like a truck. Um, he's a and he's a very very hard man to match up on. I tell you what, Liam Jones would be a magnificent matchup for him. And and in fact, I, and you thought afterwards, you thought we're really missing Liam. But if Liam was out, I would have happily played Levi on him because again, he at least can move <laughs> and has the size and would be able to just you know at least go with him and match the athleticism. But Without either of them, you know, you just and, – and it was funny. I, I, I delighted in seeing Wietering match Hawkins, but it was almost like Hawkins said, well, I'm going to try and win the game anyway, and if Jacob's too good for me, that's fine, but Jacob has to be 100% all in on me to stop me, and then the, our other five guys in the forward line, I'm going to back them in to be good enough to knock Carlton off. So I'm happy to sacrifice my game and have this – headbutt stash with weathering throughout the evening. And if I don't win, it won't matter because we'll still get the W. And you sat there and you walked away and you've gone, well, yeah, Tomahawk's been beaten, but 
probably comes out the victor anyway. So think, uh, it was all just a very frustrating watch. Just before we move off the trash man, I think that he would be 193 if he was wearing Tom Cruise or Robert Downey Jr.'s lifts. <laughs> I think you're right. Potentially. Um, just quickly with a couple more. Uh, Fab, Adam, uh, Adam Saad was good again. Just We need to figure out how to use him. I think he's finding... He's finding his, his, his fit. I don't think he was 100% fit at the start of the year because he's moving better in the last two months than he than he did at the start of the season. But you're right. Like, whilst he's playing, he's having good performances and we're obviously liking what we're seeing of him. Like I think he had another mid-20s possession game, you know, nearly 500 metres game. Uh, he had 25 and he had 472 metres. Yeah, right. So, but we're not playing a game style that we're actually using the best things that he brings. It's like, do you remember when Yaz used to be that running half back and it was just almost unstoppable? And then all of a sudden, when we were in that bad patch, Yaz wasn't running and taking any bounces. Yeah. And it's the same with Saad. Whilst he's playing good football, we need to be getting. I will say more out of him, different things out of him, because he can be more damaging than he well, be- better stuff out of him. Yeah, absolutely correct. Because as you say, he'll 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 create for us coming down outside, you know, uh, down the wing and all that sort of stuff. But if you get him into the corridor and running and moving and either distributing because somebody tries to cut his avenue off, we should we should be in a position once we're in there and really yes. pushing the opposition. We should be really cutting the sway through them. And God yes. forbid when we have a forward line of Harry Kerno and uh, and McGovern as well, and you've got options when you're coming through there to be able to hit. It's going to be exciting. And then lastly, Jack Silvani to quote Andy Tate, he tried and he tried. Yeah, no, he's uh, again. We, look, we've we've always been, you know the the. The guys that have probably sung Jack Silvani's plaudits um, the most. Uh, I think he's always been a guy that we've had a lot of time for. You see the effort, you see the smarts, um, and he just keeps putting it together. And you know, injuries have has been have been um, to his benefit because he gets an unquestioned start. Um, but everything that he does, he holds the forward line together, and it's his efforts that just really set the tone for everyone around him. His third quarter was. Something to seriously go back. If I know it's, you don't want to go back and watch a loss, but go back and watch Jack's third quarter. I think he had eight or nine touches. He was absolutely everywhere, working his tail off. It's by far and away his best season for the Carlton Football Club. Well, he certainly doesn't have the fitness issues that some of his mates at the club are having. It doesn't. No. Uh, no. We want to move on to chicken shits now and get through these sharpishly. Um, Fabian, I sat there yesterday watching the game and I thought to myself, Chris Scott is the Jose Mourinho of the AFL. And for people who know the reference, they'll get it. Ultra-negative, ultra-conservative, doesn't really want to um, show too much of his team in, in sort of defence, I suppose. But I just watched and I thought, David, recognise what the opposition don't want to see. Geelong are old. They, yep. don't, they don't want a fast game. Move, move it quick. They don't want the corridor. And when we moved it quick, Sean, yeah, yeah, they don't want the corridor. Like- we looked like they had no answer for it. Yep. So they don't want pace on the game. They don't want us to attack the corridor. They don't want exposed um, defenders. They don't want Lockie Henderson exposed. You've got the Coleman medal leader, David, against a guy who is absolutely on his last legs as a league footballer. 
would it trouble you, David, to isolate Henderson and Harry Mackay? No, let's clog that forward 50. Let's clog would, it up. Would it trouble you, David, to look at go and go, what do Geelong not want this game to be and try one of them? Yeah. And people confuse fast with work rate. Geelong yeah. give you work rate. And I said this at the start of the pod. You can't outrun the ball, Fab. They played a man behind the ball all game. Yet when they went forward, they worked their tails off to always have an overlap option everywhere. Work rate and pace are two different things. They are the nursing home team of the AFL. They are slow They're as slug. fuck. Yep. That's why well, like you sit and go, attack the corridor a bit, go direct, and that gives you 180 degrees in front of you to attack. If you attack as direct and as straight as you possibly can, this is where, guys, they don't understand. This is where Samo, people whinge about him kicking the ball short. This is where Samo cuts teams apart because Tom Stewart's not set up for a 30-metre kick. He's set yep. up for a 55-metre kick that goes into 50. He's not set up for the one that actually cribs you forward and then disrupts the defensive we, line behind the ball. He's a good footballer, but we made him look like a oh, megastar last night. We made... Look, you can't fault him. He did his role to perfection, Tom Stewart. But I don't want to use this. Could, example. could we have assisted him anymore? Yeah. No, we could not have. I don't want to. Don't want to sort of labour this example. But absolutely, like Sam Mitchell was a beautiful kick of the football. I think people need to go back and look at how often he kicked the ball long. Not often. Not often. He could kick the ball long. He's a beautiful kick. He didn't need to because what he wanted to do was pull the field apart to, like I said, disrupt what was happening in yep. front of him to make the defender who was 45 metres out go, oh, I've got to actually now, I've got to push up and get this guy now, which creates mm. the space behind. And what Correct. that allows you to do is create a bit of delay. The ball goes to Samo. He can look up and go, I've got the 25, the 30 metre kick that's going to disrupt. Or look who's flying by. Saad, Stocker, Newman. The list is Doherty if he's out there. But and then they take more ground. You become you unpredictable. the ball... In 50-metre waves, Ugh. which is an average AFL player's long kick, you'll get 50-metre lines of defence setting up. 50 metres down the line, 50 metres behind them. And every time you get it and then kick it in the next 50 metres, there's a wall there. Now, all of a sudden, like you said, a few short kicks. Like, if you modify your approach, it modifies their setup. And you might find avenues into goal. Yeah, it asks a few different questions and different looks, doesn't it? We spoke, obviously, about conversion off the top. We don't need to double back around to that. We kind of dissected why the raw number of goals and behinds is sometimes misleading. If you're having 15 shots from the top of the goal square... Third quarter gonna, would have been nicer to convert a little yeah, bit. It would have been. A bit easier chances, your, yeah. Your conversion is going to be higher than 15 shots from the 50-metre arc, just by virtue of where you're having the shots from. So I wouldn't read too much into those. We didn't get enough good looks. Will Setterfield is... Uh, really battling. Really, bye bye. really bye battling. Bye um, I'm not sure of his but contract he, he status. He finished last year off so very well, though. It doesn't he mean was anything. playing with confidence. Yeah, it doesn't mean he anything. He had work now. rate. He was fighting. Yeah, he was racking it up. That snap against Adelaide in 2019 feels like a lifetime ago. Yeah. yeah but the, I and this is the thing. I sympathise. We spoke earlier about different guys. He's getting a game and has been getting a game ahead of guys that have now come back in the team and gone past him or are now out of the team and can't get a look in. He has stagnated to the point that he's a liability and he can't be played any longer. However, he is not a winger. He is not mobile enough. He is not quick enough. He can't play the position. So why do they persist in playing him there? 
and and he's a little bit taller and they wanted to use him the way that we often use you know Patrick Cripps to be the bailout kick or we use it with Matthew Kennedy a guy who's good in the air and you can place him and you know that he'll go up and get it and he'll beat his direct opponent at the time because he has an asset that the others don't we did that a couple of times last night and he it, it just didn't pass the test he couldn't do it and and you looked at him you're going you are a shell of your former self. Yeah. You know, it is purely confidence with him. It's just not there. And you sit there and you're going, well, we need to find out awfully quickly how to free this kid up to be able to allow him to play or you just let it go. But we invested a fair bit to be able to get this kid in and he came with a fair bit of hope. Um, he's just not – like he's clearly been paid out, played out of position, but I don't know if there is a position for him. But if you play him on a wing and he stinks it up, as a football club, you're going to say, well, we should move this guy on and if we can get another half-forward flanker into the club and you trade one thing out to get something else in, let's say, like from a money ball perspective, well, we should do it. But by playing him out of position and making him look ordinary, he has no currency and you don't get anything coming back the other way. And that's the thing that shits me and it shits me about Lockie O'Brien as well. He played his best football forward of the contest, so to speak. So not, not a pure half-forward flanker, but forward of the contest. And it- at the start of this season, we tried to have him as that back-of-the-contest type player. It's not his go. Yeah, it wasn't his go. And now we've pushed him up on the wing and it's not his go. It's just, he looks shot. He just, I think he has that, I'm going to use the word incorrectly, laconic. Ridiculous. Tim's laconic, not the, not the real word. Well, everybody else's bar, the correct but, word, but, laconic. <laughs> and he gives that impression that he doesn't give a shit. Sometimes in his efforts, I don't think that he doesn't give a shit as such. I think he's just a guy who was a lot like that. Was Darcy Lang? Where you're like, just show me some urgency, mate. Just show yeah, some intent. Yeah. Like you're just meandering around the field. I don't know if you think you're working. It doesn't look I like never, you're working. I never thought we'd have that name raised again on. But I mean, you, you remember watching him play, and you're kind of going, "You aren't without ability." Yeah. But the way you move around the field, you move around the field like there's there's no no urgency. There's no you know, energy to what you're doing. You don't have to be at the next contest. Oh, if you get there, you get there. I won't get this one. I'll get the next one. It's just You're kind of going, <laughs> that's just not how you play this game, mate. Like, no. Did you play like this forever? Because how did you get to this level without showing? And, and, and he's, not, he's not David Caruso, but Sam Walsh. <laughs> Sam Walsh is like, he's a guy that he's making him look terrible by comparison. Hmm. When you look at the way Walsh works and moves and hustles, he makes everybody. He makes everybody. But him, look. but it's like Setterfield particularly. You're like, yeah. fuck, man. Give yeah. us something more than that. Um, we kind of touched on crabbing around the boundary. We just played right into Geelong, Geelong's hand. We were so easy to defend because we didn't attack the dangerous parts of the ground. Occupied dead space with bodies in the ball. It was just absolutely horrendous. Um, and we continue to do this to our detriment. We did it last week. We did it tonight. Chances are we'll probably do it again next week. And things won't change until we mix it up. Um, and we're sort of touching on the Will Setterfield thing a little bit more. We're just playing with a lot of passengers at the moment. Jack Martin is, I don't know what he's doing, if he's fit, can't get into the contest. If he's not in the contest, he's just useless. He's a liability at the moment. He's, um, he's a shell. He's a shell of his own. But like Casbolt was that last week and, and a, a lot of times this year. And Ed Kerno's got to that point now as well. Where you're just sort of going, you are legitimately taking up a spot in the 22 that has to be better served going to someone else. Ramsey, yeah, develop, develop a kid in the role and Ramsey, find out who can do Stock, it. Um, Stocker could play that role. O'Brien, Honey, you know, these guys. You're like, any one of those guys 
would be better. Where's my mate Flip? He's What's wrong? Uh, he's got OP and he's been put away for the season, and that's why we were able to take an additional pick in the mid mid season draft. Who is also yeah. now injured. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that's that's just there. So a lot of passengers just at the moment, whether it be fitness or form, it's a real concern. And then really troublingly from a, a Jack Martin perspective, is you know, obviously on very 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 good money, um, and he's either not able to perform because of his body or we can't figure out a role in which gets the best out of him, which is arguably more of a concern, to be honest, because at least if he's injured, he's got an excuse. Um, oh, look, he's a half-forward flanker. He could be a wingman. Um, but again, right now, he doesn't have the fitness to do either um, with enough um, confidence. So he is he is the pre-season um, running club poster boy. It's, he's getting his body right yeah. and he's just uh, you you just got to bolt him back together and you got to make him AFL ready and be ready to take the game on because right now he can't. Completely agree. We're going to move on now. Did you want to say something, Fab? Yeah, I've got one chicken shit and it's not him as a footballer because I love him as a footballer. I thought he's brought something to our side since coming to the club this year. But Lockie Fogarty, present to the ball, mate. Mm. Nothing's, it's not going to bounce over your opponent. It's not going to go over your opponent's head. You're not going to get a cheap one out the back. There was a couple of times last night where it's like he was leading to the ball. And, and then he paused. Yeah, it's like we've kicked it to him. Mate. You've got to keep running. Yeah. Keep running. Keep presenting. It's just he, he had a fucking shocker and it was it was getting on my nerves last night. And like I said, I, I really like what he's brought. I like his energy. I like what he's brought to the club and to the forward structure. But stinker last night. He's we rested off. him about three or four weeks ago, Fab, and yeah. I think he was just a guy who the rigours of the year or he's just taken a fair bit of punishment throughout the season. Potentially, yeah. And and he and I think he's just I, I think he's gonna limp to the line um for the end of the year. And it's a shame that his end of the season won't reflect his beginning, but I think he's just another guy that after a more involved year in an AFL season because he always played a little bit of a bit part at Geelong. I think he's just another guy that needs mm. to go back, reset. He's part of the running club as well. Um, the chicken uh, shit is more the performance rather than the player. I, I really like the player. So Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. It's By the way, we've got Zach Williams is in the running club. So is Brody Kemp and uh, Adam Sard as well. They're the guys that are going to be getting super fit in the off-season. No one's got any um, holidays, Tim. They're all coming back on October 1. Yeah, well, yeah, chicken fillet drips all round and, uh, yeah, do what you've got to do. Absolutely. It's time now for... You've got mail. Mailbox. Bagger Metrics agrees with what uh, Fab said earlier. Not so much a question as it is a statement. In fact, he's only sent it in five minutes ago. Amid a, <clears throat> amid a plethora of disappointment, the fact we haven't had a statement win that lowly or emerging teams tend to have, a la the Saints and Pies, must be the most confounding, and it makes this season hollow. Funny you said that, because we've just discussed that not long ago. Yep, um, and, and, and we said before, you know, you'd always get, at Christmas time, you'd always um, select which of the name-a-game videos you would want coming out of the season, what was our best win. 160 bucks a pop. I haven't had one yet. I, I don't even know what I'm asking for from Santa this year. Now, give us the first three and a quarter quarters against the Bulldogs. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, Adam King, uh, and this is one that caused a bit of consternation last night in the aftermath. Teague in the Geelong race after the game, shaking hands with Zach Tui, annoyed me immensely. Just the wrong look for mine. Didn't seem to raise the ire of many others, but I reckon it was a really poor look when we've just got pantsed again, uh, and he's not showing much as, as the coach. Look, 
I, I saw it talked about on, on Twitter. I saw it mentioned by somebody who'd watched the broadcast, and I was curious to see it myself. And once I did see it, there's nothing in it. No, it's, again, it's, it's a bruised Carlton supporter that's seizing upon something, thinking there's substance there. Then it's when there's not. I think at the end of the day, David Teague is saying, "Well, I'm proud of my involvement in the Carlton Football Club, both as a player and as a coach now, and I want to recognise a good performance from people who were once part of the football club as well." And I have no problems with anybody doing that. Initially, as I said, the the ire is a correct word. It, it seemed to. to um, really get on the goat of a lot of people. And I, I can understand, Fab, I can understand why people would react to it. But to me, I just once I saw it, I just went, nah, I can't, I can't get that annoyed about it. Yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's hardly, it's hardly um, a showstopper when it comes to everything that David Teague's done wrong, you know, press conferences, yeah, statements yeah. and all that. This is, to me, this is next to nothing. Did, I think as I, supporters, supporters, we ride on that emotion and, you know, we wouldn't have done it. Yeah, we also would have probably king hit someone. You know what I mean? Because you're yeah. that angry and that frustrated, but it's just, who cares? And there's a lot of people that harbour a lot of resentment towards Lockie Henderson because he made a decision that he wanted out before the season even ended. And ultimately, in modern day football, I think... I, I never liked that. I never liked it. Oh, look, I, look, but then by the same token, you can't have your cake and eat it as well. We're lauding the fact that Harry Mackay is the Coleman medal leader. We traded Lockie Henderson out, who wasn't giving us heaps. We got the pick that we took Harry Mackay with, and it set us up for another 15 years. If you can't see the way, that... Timber, in the, the agreed, way. No doubt. But it's also six years ago. We've got to let it go. Yeah, I, I, I don't hold... No, no, I'm not saying that you're still harbouring the resentment, but other supporters are, and it's like you just got to let these things go. And the fact, like, realistically, Lockie Henderson was done three years ago. The fact that he's continued to get footy out of himself at the moment, he's actually playing reasonably good footy at the moment. So all power to him that he got to 200 games. He he should be a better footballer. He should have had a better career than what he's had. We've become the but he's actually still eking out you know, relevance now. Good luck to him. I said this off the top, Timbo. We don't want to become the From Dawn to Dark podcast. No, we do not. And we have. Just playing devil's advocate on Well, Henderson. Kathy's a listener. She'll appreciate it. Um, just playing devil's advocate on Lockie Henderson. We needed to trade out commodities. We needed to trade out assets with value. He was identified as one. I think they probably had a pretty mature conversation about it. And yep. it was determined we can get a deal for you. He was happy to go. We organised the deal before the season ended. We wanted to protect our investment by mothballing him because yep. he was worth nothing if he got injured. So I think that being realistic and being sort of grown up about it, you go, well, both parties have had a sensible conversation and come to an agreement which has benefited both. So I'm not, Which I there never, should be a whole lot more in this industry than what there is. And when, when, when you have all the bullshit the, with the Dodoros of the world. So. That's right. We didn't get, when you're dealing with Geelong, you don't get the Arjuna that you have to deal for four weeks with an idiot. Yeah. You know, we got a first round pick, did we not? For Lockheed? Yeah, we got, we got pick 10 for him. Right. Done what in in a matter of hours? Not Here even it is. This is what you want. This is what we want. Let's go. It was done before the season ended. Clearly, and you just go yep. sensible. We've yep. both handled it like adults. We've moved on. We both got something out of it. Oh, I never quite understood the vitriol. Uh, we were happy for him to go for what we got for him. So, in fact, we organised it. Um, Millsy yep. uh, Millsy G seventy eight um, has a couple of different things here. Uh, why don't our forwards lead at the ball carrier? Because they're not in the forward line set up to do so. That's the coach. Um, why wasn't Cripps managed against the Cats? Oh, he was past fit to play. Oh, I've, I've got no issue with that. 
Yeah. One wonders whether if um, Liam Jones didn't have a back injury and Levi Casbolt didn't have a sore knee, whether they would have rested him. Because he, he was only just on the edge of being AFL ready, but with yep. two other blokes going out as well. I think we I think we genuinely thought the game was winnable and our best chance once those two guys were out was that Paddy had the pie. Which player on our list is least like Patrick Cripps in terms of role, size, etc.? Uh, Matt Owies. Oh, he's already in the team. He wasn't already in the oh, team. Oh, that, that was out of the team already. Yeah. Probably Lockie O'Brien. No, I'm surprised I didn't bring Lockie O'Brien yeah. in to replace Cripps. I'm just going, yeah. oh, you're not a like-for-like, like, but you're a body, so yeah. that's near enough's good enough. And yeah. Millsy's also said um, Newman is overrated and a liability because of his hunger for cheap kicks. I disagree with that. Completely. I like Nick Newman, yep. I, I thought he was good last night. Again, I... I in, in a defence that was really stretched, um, we needed to give ourselves any chance of winning the game. We needed guys that were prepared to get the ball and use dare, take the game on, create, while still being able to defend when they needed to. Yep. Uh, I thought he played well. I thought Player played well. I thought Saad played well. I thought Stocker played well. I thought the they, back six... They were really good. Faultless. They were really good. The only thing probably you could pick of the back six was Liam Stocker having about nine kilos of grippo... On his on his uh, it went on his right hand. I don't know if you've seen the replay, Sean. I would like to see him show. I did see it. I would like the to ball see didn't him, come out of his hand. Yeah, I'd like to see him show just a little tiny bit more poise. Just I reckon he's splitting hairs. I, I reckon he's, uh, a, he's he a good decision a maker. He's he a good executor. A few going, going inside fifty. Yeah, um, okay. last night yeah, he look, I, a couple. I, and I, just went. You just you had that extra step in you to steady and and make sure the contact was sweet. And, yep. and you've just yeah. hushed, you just rushed yourself a touch. Um, Brenton West has gotten in touch. What's a pass mark for the next four weeks? We play the Pies, North, the Saints and the Suns. Surely they would have to go 3-1 fatigue to have a chance of keeping his job. Oh, they, he, he has to go... 4 no. oh, I, two, I, two, 2 doesn't get it done. 3-1. Yeah. Well, why, why not 4, yeah. Do you know the win I want to see? And whilst next week we all want to bury those. It's St Kilda. It's St Kilda. Yeah. And and it's also St Kilda are the team that have the ability to sort of outperform where they're at at the moment. But again, they're, uh, they're not, their best footy is really good, but the difference between their best and their worst is so far apart. So if I say but, it, but if we've got year, a good coach, we should be able to strategize a way to get ahead of them. Regardless of form, or what have you, we, we could probably match up and on our day beat any side in the competition bar GWS and thank you order. I don't yeah. know what it is with those two. We don't get near them. They don't yes. respect us. I can see us getting pumped in that game. So that's the game I want to win more than any of them. We've got uh, Daniel Scolo. Why do we consistently select underdone players returning from injury ahead of performing youngsters? Why do we look so unfit? Why does Teague persist with Williams, Martin and Setters who are clearly not performing and or fit? Look, we, we've touched on those different those guys at various points throughout the pod, but it's a point very, very well made, Daniel. Um, and it's not doing David any favours. It's not no. doing him any favours selecting guys who are either out of form, have had no form in the twos, or are unfit to play at senior level. It's just a nonsense. Yeah. And tell me, Lockie O'Brien played a game of footy today. He did. Am I, am, am, so where was that given that our reserves had a bye? Um, so North Melbourne and Carlton formed a composite team and played a scratch match against effectively Box Hill 
with um, six AFL listed players. Okay, so, well, that's that's a terrific answer to a question that I just did not know the answer to. So a few guys played all right. Like um, I think Honey kicked a couple goals, but he was sort of look. They they got a couple goals sort of quite late on in the game that were a bit cheap, and you kind of went, oh yeah, fair enough. You've, you've sort of blown us away. Us being Box Hill, obviously with a lot of young players, a lot of young guys. Hashtag Sean Hawks. Realistically, Box Hill had nine players that hadn't played a game of senior football this year and four who had played two or less. Yeah. And by senior football, I mean VFL. Sure. So sure. Um, the game kind of got open a bit and, and guys like Honey got on a few at the end. I, I, I liked Lockie O'Brien was one of the best ball users on the field. Yep. It's a commodity that we can't just throw away. For whatever pig-headed reason the coaches have decided, he's not up to playing AFL football because his skills are. He'll end up. He'll end up at a Geelong, who end up getting a, a good young kid into their system to work with, and it negates all their buddy trading of early draft picks. You watch. You watch someone like Geelong will pick him up. He'll be a star. He'll go to Brisbane and he will take over from Daniel Rich when he retires. And he'll play exactly the same role and he'll be a weapon and everyone will go, why did somebody in a game where kicking is so important give away somebody who can kick so well? Because he, somebody he has made up their mind. Exactly the same way as Daniel Rich Somebody does. has made up their mind, Tim. Um, Gav from the sunny coast, if we lose to Collingwood, just put me in an induced coma for six months. I can't handle it at a loss to the black and white filth. Uh, you uh, and me both, brother. I'll put you in one of those um, Demolition Man style... Cryo. Cryo. <laughs> Demolition Man Simon is such a Phoenix. strange film. Isn't it? Edgar Friendly. Edgar it's, Friendly. <laughs> it's really not a good movie at all, but it has this like. Oh, it's special, not, it's not, but it's so good. It's got this really special place in pop culture. Like it just came out at a really like interesting time, and people seem to like love it. But when they go back and watch it, they're like, this is horrendous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's got it like a, a good, like the cast, like there's a lot of. Well-known actors in it too. It's yeah. got a, it's, you know what it's got more than anything too. Like it's got a cool title. You're like, what does that mean? Demolition when Man. I, I still remember when I saw the shorts for it at the movies, and you watched it, and you're going, oh, I'm so watching that I need movie. this movie. <laughs> like, you're not going to walk away with the meaning of life out of having watched this movie, but damn it, you will be entertained. <laughs> What's the bit where he eats that they go down into the sewer and he eats a the rat, rat burger. burger? Yeah, And there's actually probably the greatest, bear in mind, this is a man who's been nominated for Academy Awards. It's one of the best acting moments of Stallone's career when he's like, it's actually quite good. Like he has that moment where he sort of goes, it's not bad. I've always rat- wanted, I've always had that thing in my head. I'd like to remove the toilet roll holder from the, the guest bathroom and just put three seashells on the, on the <laughs> shelf. And just to see what people would say. Yep. He doesn't know how to sit three seashells work. And then, <laughs> and also say this, for, this is for Shawnee B. Although the eyebrows are a little thin, it is oh, almost peak Sandy, Sandy B. B. Sandy yeah. B. Nah, speed is peak Sandy B. We watched that on uh, Saturday. So speed, I think, was 94. And Demolition yep. Man, I think, was 93. Sandy B's eyebrows are a little bit thin in Demolition Man. Had a bit too yeah. much tweezer work on them. But they'd grown back in by speed. And now that's speed is peak Sandy B. Well, we Might have to go <laughs> look up some photos. Um, got, uh, who have we got next? Uh, Michael Manzi. When was the last time we won a game by out-scheming our opposition? That's a very good question. 1999. <laughs> it's legitimately a very good question. 
Like, when was the last time we actually kind of walked away from a game thinking, geez, they really prepared and set up and executed that perfectly, didn't they? Maybe three zero in three zero when Mark Murphy kicked the winning goal. Oh, what we, we planned, what we planned to Jack, be behind with forty seconds left and kick him around. Game goal. where Mitch Robertson played a forward defensive role on. That was in twenty eleven when Dustin Fletcher. Uh, Dustin Fletcher. And then yeah. head butted, he head butted Dustin Fletcher, and the umpire gave him a free kick for too high. Well, <laughs> Dustin Fletcher was an overrated <laughs> hack, so fair enough. Um, the umpire was probably just annoyed that at that stage Fletcher. Had defrauded everyone in the AFL world out of a career for 18 years. He's probably thinking, you've got away with plenty, Dustin. Being on a list is chief. Um, Yeah, that's a very good question. It's one that probably our listeners can get in touch with us about, to be honest. Uh, Chris Mormon has got in touch. Clarkson in 2022, question mark. Should we go all in? Now, gentlemen, I saw this question, so I moved an item I had in the run sheet back to accommodate it now. The question I have... For you to answer before you answer that question is if Hawthorne are prepared to move on Alistair Clarkson at this juncture knowing the job that is ahead of them in terms of a rebuild knowing that they're going to be paying Sam Mitchell half of what they're paying Clarko and there's no point paying a coach that much money for a rebuilding list etc 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 what do they know about Clarko that the rest of the AFL industry don't at the moment I, I just think it's more the opportunity cost. I think they see their future, their next 15 years, is Sam Mitchell-centric and committing to another, say, 10, 15 years with Clarko is not something that they are prepared to do. I think within that, there is the opportunity cost of what you're uh, spending as well within your soft uh, football department cap. Um I would still question if we brought him in, are we paying too much for one bloke and do we need a myriad of other roles within the football department? Take that we the would money out miss of the equation. On? Take the money out of the equation. Take the money out Al- of the Alistair Clarkson, I, I just is, think his record want, speaks think for Hawthorne itself. I think Sam Mitchell. But Alistair Clarkson's record speaks for itself. He's it one does. of the greatest coaches of this or any generation. If they are so prepared to cut him asunder when arguably they need him more than ever, why is that? I just think they're miles away, and I think they just think in his age, he's not the guy to take them forward. I'll lead you further, Timbo. I'll lead you further. I genuinely would not read too much into the fact that they're casting him aside because they think that he can't do it. Is it like the They may say he may not be up for a full rebuild. I get that. But by the same token... So so is it like the club that trades the player because they know the injury history? Yeah, I think coaching is different enough and, and you have panels of staff and you want a figurehead that sets the tone and makes demands of players and all that sort of stuff. I, I, st- I still think you could bring Clarko in. Like, he's not going to be washed up. He's not, he's not, um, he's not suffering from dementia here. Um, you know, unless his, you know, his Gillian Clark syndrome is going to no, no. kick back I'll, in I'll or something you, like that. I'll give you the example. With Nick you are not going to have the issue. I'll give you the example with Nick Bolthouse, Fab. Malthouse goes. Was it pre? Was it prelim, premiership, grand final? Has a year off. Was okay with us in 2013, and then by halfway through the next year, he was done. Yeah, yeah. He was done. I think. I think Mick. It was more about the motivation behind. I think it was the method. Now, if Clarko has the the juice and the the drive to want to succeed at another club. He is everything David Teague isn't. But that said, and this football department spend is an issue with a Clarko because I think he's a motivator. 
he is someone who empowers assistant coaches and does everything that David Teague is struggling to do. But if you're paying him an arm and a leg and then can't get in that crop of assistant coaches to to kind of aid him, then what's the point? I agree. Uh, next question we've got is Grug Williams. Why is there no accountability within our walls, be it from coaching department or the players on the field? It doesn't seem like there are many quote-unquote punished and there's blokes there just getting away with it week in, week out. It stinks of mediocrity. Now, I agree completely. And the example of this is cards on the table. We know about the challenges that Zach Williams had, obviously, in pre-season with regard to little things like isolation and coming into the club a bit later and all that stuff. Totally understand them all. Get it, get it, get it, get it. He was not fit when they played him. And they played him because they thought they had to, because they thought it would be a bad look for them to not pay their recruit, to not, to not play their high-priced recruit, to not give him a game because it would create more questions than they have answers they're prepared to give, rather than say, Zach, you are not fit enough. And where the, the, the um, fallout from saying that, where the fallout from saying, mate, you're just not fit enough, he's not fit enough to play, and he won't play till he is fit enough. He's an excellent player. We have full faith in his ability. But at the moment, he's not fit enough to play. They weren't prepared to say that. And that's just no, one example. Because they felt they had to also justify that price tag. Absolutely. And the, the whole conversation around we us paying overs for him. I think with a good preseason under his belt, he comes back a different player. No, I agree. But the point is, and the point that Grug is making... And that's just one example that I provided. You mean Grug is in like Grug, that little like hairy thing? G-R-U-G, Grug. That's his username. Um, that's brilliant. So the point I'm making is that's just one example of a really poor standard that then precipitates, it just goes all the way through the squad. That's just one no, example. That's very true. Sam Doherty, hey. Doc's obviously had some problems with those occasions where Doc wasn't over the ball and he's fumbling and whatnot. When you're letting your captain get away with it, when he's yeah. not accountable to the standard, when he's not living the standard, then what does that mean for everyone else? And, and I think that's the thing. When a football club is humming on all levels, um, you just don't have issues like that. And and I think we've been like the little Dutch boy with his finger in the dike and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, we've just we there have been there have been many many fronts that we've been battling to make sure that we're at the cutting edge of. Um, and it's impacted us. And as a result, we, we our performances, our whole standing at the moment is very, very mediocre. I agree completely. Just, just backing over your coaching bit, I just did a couple of bit a couple of Wikipedia's. Uh, Mick Malthouse would have been um, sixty. I'm not saying that. Clarko's demented, Tim. No, no, no. I, no I'm just. I'm, I'm not supporting saying his what you're brain saying. functions I, I, deteriorating. Just, something that I was curious about. In that second year, Malthouse was sixty. Pagan, when he came to the footy club, was 55. Ross Lyon right now is 54. Alistair Clarkson's 53. He's not that much younger than a lot of those guys were at the time. If you're wanting guys with new ideas and preparedness to be able to grow and be innovative and all that sort of stuff, I think it's a reasonable question to be able to say, are you at the right age to be able to have that as being one of your biggest strengths? All right, old coach. Jesus. And bearing that in mind, David Teague is 40. Not saying that that supports the decision to keep him in power, but it's just interesting as a It's an interesting opinion, Fabian. I didn't realise that Tim was also a neurologist. 
and was giving us, you know, fucking brain reading. 15 minutes oh, of DU, drive-through, and you two can be a neurologist. God. <laughs> what, are the, what do you prescribe? Just watch Concussion with Will Smith, and then you'll come in. It'll certainly cure insomnia, if nothing else. Um, is that all you got for us, Fab? You don't want to add anything? That's the end of the show, otherwise. No. It's a good show. You're going to do your printed DJ wrap-up, or are you going to... Uh, printed G. Oh, last week was Motley Crue. I played the um, Kickstart My Heart. Another very boring, boring selection. That's fine. It was a ripping 80s banger. Very, very, very obvious um, we got, connection. We got, we got some varied responses. People were, weren't really onto the theme per se, but um, I, I like the creativity of the few. The theme was Fabian uh, didn't come up with a song, and I mentioned it on pod, and that's why he picked it. No, I had no, that. No, see, Fabian said kickstart first, and then you actually said kickstart my heart afterwards. And that's how so, we got the idea to play the song. No, I had it in my head already. Mm-hmm. Sean, he was alluding week. to it. Yeah, sure so um, get in touch with us. Hashtag Prender DJ. People are loving the 80s bangers. Sean. They're not. They're underwhelmed. They're not underwhelmed. There's another great one tonight. Because you're not picking, <laughs> and, you're not picking good ones. Picking and we did love the songs. Chili Peppers pre-game at the MCG last night. It was uh, incredibly appropriate. And it must I, have been why people were I leaving their seats. I was sitting there just giggling to myself going, oh, the irony is magnificent. <laughs> it's not an irony, fucking Tim. It's a coincidence. The stadium was rocking. It wasn't at all. It was indifferent. <laughs> all right. I loved it. Also, get in touch. Hashtag Club of Ganoush. It's 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 flying. I can hardly respond to the amount of people requesting membership. So it's um. Have you responded to Minister Martin Pakua? No. Marty, stop asking what's in it for you, mate. Just just sign up. <laughs> you know what you'll get, Marty. You'll get my vote. Right? Come next election, you'll Does, get my I vote. Do you live in his seat? I don't. No, I don't. But his his party will get my vote. How does that benefit him? I don't give a shit. Hashtag Club of Ganoush, money's on board. Hashtag pork barreling. I will, I'll, I will send him a, uh, a membership pack anyway. Are there no depths to which you aren't prepared to sink? No, no. It's, Sean, stop being so bum hurt about it. It's a club for the people, and the people are loving it. They're all on board. <sighs> They're all on board. Have you got anything to add there, Sean? No, I've just hosted the show and written the show, and I'm going to about edit the show now. So, you two What are you going to edit, bed. Sean? You're just going to upload. You're going to put one of my bangers on to end the show, and, and, and that's it. And people will go, yes. Another, another <laughs> delivers again. Delivers again. <laughs> Your deliveries so far have been horrendous. Oh, yeah. this, is, this, one, this one, you actually have to think a little bit about it. Well, the and, last um, couple, you haven't had to think about them at all, so that's a change. No, well, this, this, I think even you might have to think about it, Sean. I won't be thinking about it one second. Uh, all right, Timbo, thank you for your time. Always a pleasure, Sean. Yeah. Thank you very much. It was good that we finally did it. Yes. And for you, Faber Ganoush. Arrivederci, ragazzi. Forza Zuri. Fingers crossed. Big morning. Uh, did you get it I done? Hey, do think nah, you, look, I, I think you, England, England will get you. Yeah, I, no, I just think England will have everything going their way. They're a better team. They're a better collection of players. If they hold their nerve and don't get overwhelmed, they should they should be. How yeah, am I, Denmark pushed them. How am I watching this game, Fab? You can go to optus.com.au, Sean, and sign up and pay for it. It's free. I've been booted off. No, it's not free, is it? Yeah, it is free. I'll send you the link. It's free. How is it free? It's free. I've been watching the last two games. I don't have Optus Sport. 
Alright, goodbye. We're not on an ad for Optus Sport. Tim, that's, that's cool. Goodbye. No, 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 no. Alright. Go Blues. Go Blues.